Welcome to the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxie. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCready and featuring Zach Barry of Red Cup Rebellion, the Soft Verbal Podcast is your number one podcast dedicated to Ole Miss football and basketball recruiting. Featuring guests from throughout the Rivals.com network, the Soft Verbal Podcast tells you what is happening and what's going to happen on the recruiting trail. And it does it in style, just like Dead Soxie. Visit DeadSoxie.com and enter promo code RebelGrove at checkout for 30% off your order of the best dress socks you'll ever wear. Now... Here's your host, Neil McCready. Welcome to another edition of the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxie. I'm Neil McCready, Zach Barry with me as well. We're going to talk uh, basketball recruiting, football recruiting, kind of just talk a lot of stuff. We just did about a five-minute pre-show thing that we probably should have just recorded the whole damn thing and, and could have called it a day because we touched on just about everything. So we'll go into detail on some of that stuff as well. First, let me tell you about Dead Soxie. It's an incredibly strange time, as we all know. Millions of us all over the world have been impacted by these unusual events, and the Dead Soxie team hasn't been immune to the situation. Like the rest of the world, Dead Soxie is faced with some tough choices. But instead of uh, cutting costs and cutting jobs, they're thinking about things a little differently. They want to keep their team intact, paid, and employed. They need your help to make it happen, though. And so in the spirit of people helping people, Dead Soxie is running a first-of-its-kind support sale. What they've done is they've slashed the prices on their incredible product to $6, $9, $11 a pair. And uh, honestly, they'd rather you get the socks discounted so that they can keep paying their team and they'll worry about margins at a different time. So uh, the socks are great. We've told you about them for a long time. If you've never uh, made the plunge, now's the time to do it. Go to deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. And you can get Dead Soxy socks as low as $6. $6. You'll absolutely love them. And for $6, it's a steal. But it's your way of helping uh, Dead Soxy, and you'll help yourself as well. So, again, deadsoxy.com. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. Right to the bottom line, no hassle, no haggle. You get your quote, and the rest is completely up to you. You can uh, shop that quote around, of course, or you can do what I've done and what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today. You'll love the service uh, after the sale. You'll absolutely love the product as well. It's uh, 662-257-1900. Zachary, I spoke uh, to your lovely wife earlier in the day for a podcast that people will hear tomorrow on the Oxford Ex- or Tuesday I should say on the Oxford Exxon podcast so uh, I guess I'll slum it now and talk to you how are you Neil I'm doing well I was gonna just we'll, we'll jump right in here right after the uh, the lovely introduction that you did uh, <laughs> for our sponsors uh, I think that I have found my mileage threshold for uh, for my uh, nipples Discover oh, that on Friday. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone who's ever done any distance running finds this threshold and it becomes a, uh, a fear thing <laughs> because it hurts like a son of a bitch. Yeah, it was. So it's, it's weird. So I only did seven, so it wasn't super long, but when I left the house, it was a little chilly and I had, um, a fleece on over a, uh, just a dry fit shirt. And I also utilize the fleece because it has pockets that zip up to hold uh, my phone when I'm running and listening to, you know, a podcast or music. And so left the house. It was brisk, perfect weather. And then by the time I was, you know, on my way back around mile five or six, it was 
pretty toasty. It was uh, getting up in the upper 70s, 80s. So um, I think just the, the weight of that fleece on the dry fit, it was about mile six and a half where I started to feel it. It was only the right side, which was, which was odd. But um, yeah, a little, little bit of rub there. Uh, nothing, it didn't, didn't break the skin or there, weren't, there wasn't any bleeding. Didn't have a Andy Bernard situation. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'll probably, I'll, probably t- I'll probably touch them up with either some, uh, some body glide or, or a Band-Aid from now on. Yeah, when I was doing marathon training on the long runs, I used uh, body glide and a crisscross Band-Aid situation over both nipples. Okay. It's weird because the other times that I've run, I've run three half marathons, and I've never had that issue. And Wow. Yeah, so I don't know if it was just you know a stroke of luck or the weather worked out because I've done, uh, I've done one in the fall, and then the other ones were early spring or I guess late winter. Um, so that might have been it. Uh, I think it was just the weight of the, the fleece kind of holding that down on it. But because um, I ran today and it was fine. So there's no part of my body that I hate more than my boobs. Just <laughs> hate them, and even when I'm super fit, I still have them. Um, a certain person who hates me on the beat has made fun of mine before, and I always have to res- resist the urge to make fun of now all of his suddenly sagging physical features that are, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't. I bit my tongue over and over and over. I've told myself, be a better person, be a better person, be a better person. And and so I haven't, but it crosses my mind quite a bit because the, the time that he uh, pointed out, that that flaw, one of my many physical flaws, when he pointed that out, it it, it, uh, it pissed me off. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean we've all got them, and I mean it, honestly, unless you are genetically superior and or really really work on your diet and just do a lot of chest working like chest workouts, like a lot of bench, it, it's hard to to hone those babies in. Um, but. This this I'll wrap this up here and we'll jump into some recruiting as we're <laughs> we're talking about about nipples on a recruiting podcast. But yeah, I think from now on anything more than six miles, I'm I'm gonna gonna band aid it up. Yeah, just I, I highly recommend Body Glide uh, in every possible place that one would would be concerned about chafing. I, I'm I'm a big if, if 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 I'm gonna run six miles or more, I'm body gliding. With yeah. as much of it as I can get, and on when I was running like e- either a long training run, meaning anything over fourteen and up, and certainly on the days that I ran a marathon, I, I, I coated myself in that stuff. With the one exception of the one time that I didn't quote a, I didn't coat a certain place because I'd never really thought about it. And then when we started the race, I was completely wet. Uh, that did not that did not end well, and I learned that lesson. You might as well. It doesn't hurt it if it. Uh... You know, if everything goes well, then hey, you just yeah, you're just prepared. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Prepare, pre- prepare for the worst, pray for the best, right? Absolutely. Um, all right, so let's get into some uh, recruiting. You want to do football or, or basketball to start? Um, we could do basketball first, since a little more recency uh, newsworthy uh, things have happened in the world of basketball recruiting. So we've been. Uh, careful with this for a while now. For months, we've heard about Romello White. 
uh, it would pop up on a message board. I would delete it because people would beg me to delete it. And now it's, it's out. He is in the transfer market. He has put a, basically a don't contact me tag on his, uh, on his transfer portal papers, if you will, that indicates that he's made up his mind. You probably have spent more time on this today than I have because I've been taping interviews, including one with your wife. But I'm I was hearing a lot of Vanderbilt buzz midday. Mm-hmm. What about you? So last night when everything kind of popped off, we uh, I, I reached out to some people, discussed uh, kind of where what people are feeling right now, and for the most part, I, I got a lot of positive responses in regards to Ole Miss's standing for this. I think. The, the natural connections with the staff are there. Levi Watkins recruited him to Arizona State. And um, I, Ole Miss previously recruited Romello when, when he was at um, Wheeler High School. And uh, so it, it's, it's, it's not something out of the blue. It's not a, hey, we'll just throw it up against the wall and see if it sticks kind of, kind of shot in the dark transfer portal thing here. It's both parties are familiar with each other. Um, I did talk to a couple national guys uh, today in regards to what they were hearing, and they said uh, they have heard Ole Miss. They have heard a lot about Ole Miss, but there um, seems to be – I think he's going to end up in the SEC one way or the other. Um, I think the, the obvious three are going to be Georgia, Ole Miss, and Vanderbilt. Uh, Georgia's obviously there. That's where he's he's from, Marietta. Uh, I, I don't know if you remember this, Neil. I had kind of forgotten until last night that uh, Romello played at three different high schools, uh, one being IMG at one point, and then he, he kind of bounced all over the place. And um, I believe at one time he was committed to Tennessee, and then he eventually signed with Georgia Tech and then was released when that staff was let go. Um so there's ties with Georgia because of the home state, and then also his uh, primary recruiter at the time at Georgia Tech is now on staff at Georgia. Uh, and then Vanderbilt is in the mix because of Jerry Stackhouse. He has a previous relationship with him on the AAU circuit, played uh, on his AAU team. And then obviously, like I said, Levi Watkins, Ole Miss, are uh, very familiar with Romello. So I, as of today, I, I put it in the chicks. I said I'd cautiously optimistic okay. moving forward. Um so that's the long-winded answer of kind of where I'm at right now. No, it's a good answer. I, 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 I talked to someone pretty close to Vanderbilt who said that you know they were they were optimistic, though there were some questions academically as it pertained to that, uh, given the uncertain times that we are living in right now, and and uh, thought it thought it could potentially be problematic for Vanderbilt. Um, he thought, based on what he was told, and, and uh, this this is pretty informed person that that uh, Romello had told Georgia Tech that he was going to Vanderbilt. That does not necessarily mean anything. I'll, I'll say that that does not always. Just when a, a kid will tell another coach what he's doing, sometimes as a distraction, or sometimes it will change, or sometimes they stuff just gets weird. I don't put a ton of stock into that there's just Vanderbilt buzz today as you said and I've heard Ole Miss too and I've heard Ole Miss for months and there are people close to Ole Miss who are really confident so uh, I'll say this the other thing about Romello White that you have to remember is that he has not based on what I know and feel free to tell me I'm, I'm wrong I don't think he's completely ruled out just going straight to the NBA right now 
I haven't heard one way or the other uh, for that. I know that when he was originally entered his name into the draft, it was essentially just to get an evaluation. He hadn't signed with an agent. He was, you know, uh, I guess the terminology that that the kids are using these days is, you know, keeping their eligibility or their eligibility is is, is remaining with the school or whatever. But um, I think he was wanting an evaluation, and I think it was a good idea on his part. And that's And that's a great idea for any college basketball player. I mean, go ahead and get the feedback. If you're oh, absolutely. If you're on the fence, you're not sure if you want to go to the NBA. You're not sure if you're ready. Um, it doesn't hurt to just put your name in there and go do some workouts and just let them tell you, hey, this is what you need to work on to get ready. I mean, that's what Terrence Davis did, and it yep. paid div- paid off huge for him. And you know, now look at him. So that is a possibility. I I don't know if it's the best. In my opinion, he's kind of a tweener at the next level. You watch a lot more NBA than I do, but you know, six eight, two thirty five. You know, he's not a um, you know remarkable, remarkably athletic. Get up and down the floor. He can, but I don't know if he's good enough just being six eight to do that just yet. Um, I think he could use one more year of school. Um, now he's played some really good basketball when he was at Arizona State, but. Um, he was disgruntled this past year. They didn't run a lot of offense for him. They didn't. That really do, didn't. They didn't do a lot directed that went through him. I, th- I think that would change at, at Ole Miss. That would change at Vanderbilt. Absolutely. Um, you know, he he's he's known uh, Levi Watkins as you mentioned. He's known Jerry Steckhouse for a long time. Both of those guys would probably uh, be able to really help him. And I agree with you. I, Look, six eight two thirty fives. You're a big boy, but in the NBA, you're, you're dime a dozen unless you can really have a a dynamic game you better be able to do a lot of things well uh because you know you're you're gonna have to play in in the four and and you're playing against six ten six eleven guys you're playing against some some step back fours some european fours who can really hurt you 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 better be a dynamic defensive guy he's 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 a very good rebounder something Ole miss needs badly he uh He's he's known for his defense. That he, I think Kermit Davis and that staff could help him refine that even more. And then he has to continue to develop uh, a diversified offensive game. Well, I I just thought of this. I mean, his skill set and kind of his body type. I mean, he's going to be somebody that would have to potentially guard a Luka Doncic. Yeah, I don't know if he can do that. And, that, and that's not a knock on him. It's just he's out. He's just not ready for that. And he could benefit greatly from another year of college, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, he's got time to make this decision. It's one of the things that's interesting is, you know, he's a he's a grad transfer, but one of the things that's out there, and I wrote about it yesterday in 10 Thoughts as it pertained to football, but it certainly applies to basketball as much, is this one-time transfer rule. The vote has been pushed back. No one really knows what's going to happen. If it passes, chaos could ensue. And if it doesn't pass... A lot of plans kind of go by the wayside because there are schools all over the place right now that are just waiting for that to pass and for like a one-time free agency period to essentially begin. It's certainly going to affect a ton of decisions in multiple sports. Um, and I don't know if you're ready to to maybe transition over to some football recruiting talk here. Sure. But, um, I, it, the name that comes to mind, and we talked about before we started the show, is, is JT Daniels. Uh, if he's immediately eligible, 
I think he's going to be a little more willing to shop around. And by around, I mean in different areas of the country. Um, if he has to sit a year, I, I think he's staying on the on the left coast. I think he'll stay in the Pac-12 um, somewhere out that way and just, you know, keep his bearings, sit out a year, work on, you know, his body, getting that knee completely back to normal and um, preparing for, for that season when he is eligible. If he's immediately eligible, I think he's going to look a lot farther from California and start looking around at places that he could you know, have an immediate impact and play one year, get ready for, for the NFL draft potentially. So, um, And obviously it's things are a lot more appealing if you're going to be able to play immediately rather than sitting a year. Yeah, and as you mentioned, you know, for a guy like Daniels, can he transfer inside the league? Can he, yeah, can, can, he, he can. can he can he go to Oregon and play right away? Uh does he if he goes to Oregon, does he have to sit a year? Can he transfer to Oregon? I mean, there's so many weird things that we, people keep saying, well, what's the, the timeline for his decision? Well, the truth is all of this, all of the recruiting dead period stuff, and now the inability for these people to get together and vote just yet has created just kind of this giant pause button. You know, like on your computer, mm-hmm. the worst thing that can happen if you have an apple is you see the pinwheel spinning it's like watching the pinwheel spin no one knows what's what 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 the landscape is going to be like if you're if you're Lane Kiffin today you'd love to have a couple of answers wouldn't you I mean you'd love to know absolutely you, you lost spring so you lost the opportunity it's why I get so frustrated people keep asking him quarterback questions he doesn't know and he's told you he doesn't know he's answered the question honestly stop asking it he, he wants to see those guys perform in his system, in his practices, with him coaching. And until then, until then, he can't evaluate positively or negatively. Now, look at this from a player standpoint. If you're Matt Corral, you came back because you were going to get to go through the spring. You were going to get to show Lane Kiffin, hey, here's what I can do. This is what I look like in your offense. You were going to get a chance to see that offense, to get a feel yourself for, hey, how do I fit in this offense? Do I fit in this offense? How does this look for me? And then he could make a decision. He lost the benefit of that. And so if mm-hmm. you're if you're Matt Corral, it's kind of a pivotal year for him. Let's say this one-time transfer thing passes. If you're Matt Corral, staying at Ole Miss is a gamble right now. Absolutely, and – I, this also could potentially hurt somebody like Grant Tisdale, who decided to come back once Lane Kiffin was announced as a new head coach. He, obviously, the the offense is appealing to him. He was going to leave, presumably to go back towards somewhere close to home, Texas. I don't know if it was going to be Big 12 or if it was going to be Group of Five, but he was leaving, and he decided to come back. And I think that this spring was going to be big for him as well because, look, you go through the spring – you're not getting any first team reps. You're not getting any looks. You can just hop back in the portal and you're out. And he doesn't have the benefit of that now. So he's you're rolling the dice to wait until the fall. And fall camp happens whenever it may be. I don't know if it's going to be on time or if it's going to be delayed. But if you're not getting any first team reps, if you're not even sniffing being a starter, you, you just lost a year. So it hurts both the players – and Kiffin and the staff, because it's like I told you before we started, not having the spring, you, Ole Miss has, they had no way of seeing what they have at quarterback. And look, I know that people on the board everywhere are 
when are we going to get some defensive linemen? When are we going to get some linebackers? I know that, but Neil, as you say time and time again, and, and, and I believe it wholeheartedly, this is a quarterback league. This is a quarterback-driven game, and you've got to have that or you have problems. And Yeah, oh, for sure. Ole, Ole Miss would have benefited to be able to see what they had because, look, if Kiffin and Jeff Levy didn't like it, oh, they would be beating down the proverbial door at JT Daniels' house or whoever. And they very um, well might be. We just don't know because he, he's not he's not talking, and and uh, it's a dead period. You can't bring kids to your campus. So if you're a kid like JT Daniels, whether it's I don't know, name five schools somewhere that that he's never been before. It's mm-hmm. a big decision. And hey, I've not been to those places. I don't know anything about it. Yeah, that's a hard call. I mean, I, I know people are making those kinds of decisions, and people are doing it, but. It's one thing when you're a grad transfer and you're making a decision to go someplace for one year. Because, I mean, you know, it doesn't work out. It's just one year. What's one year? Right. You're making a decision to go someplace for three years. It's a much different deal. And I do think you might have to help me here, Neil. I think he'll be old enough to go into the NFL draft after this season. So this is a potential huge year for him. Because he, um, I guess, will be a redshirt sophomore, I believe. I, he had to have gotten a medical redshirt. He played in one. He barely played in one game last season before um, he was out for the year. So, oh yeah, for sure. It, it, this is a big year for him. You know, he's going to want to try to go somewhere to line himself up to have success. And I mean, Ole Miss is an appealing option. I mean, there are tons of options out there for him. We talked about Oregon. I think Oregon would be a great spot. Um, Stanford was up there. I think it was between Stanford and Southern Cal at the end before he signed with the Trojans. Stanford would be a good spot. And, I mean, you, Michigan was heavily involved. I know Tennessee is going to be involved. Um, I heard Notre Dame in the beginning, but not so much anymore. Ian Book is still there, so he, he probably doesn't want to go there and sit behind him. But, yeah, I mean, this is a chance for you to go out and showcase what you've got for scouts and NFL GMs and, and organizations and then get out and go play in the league. So, um, yeah, it's a big opportunity. If this is passed where he can be immediately eligible, he's going to be aggressive, I think, and he's going to, you know, maybe look a little bit farther past the state line of California. You know, I've gotten a lot of questions from people. Now, I don't, I'm not criticizing them. I get the question, though. Hey, how come Ole Miss is not getting commitments right now the way that, say, Tennessee is? Tennessee's get. I think they got a commitment in the last five seconds. There's another one. There's another one. <laughs> I mean, Tennessee's getting a lot of kids, but here's the difference. Those kids have uh, – they they got to see Jeremy Pruitt's program. They've been to that campus. They've been to visits. They've, they've seen Pruitt. They went to games last season where they got to talk to that coaching staff. They have a sense of what it looks like. And it's nobody's fault. It's certainly not Lane Kiffin's fault. There's nothing he can do about it. But this COVID thing just – it pinwheeled his program right now. He's not the only one. I mean, this. I'm sure this is not the offseason that Baylor had in mind. I'm sure this is not the offseason that Sam Pittman at Arkansas had in mind, that Mike Leach at Mississippi State had in mind. Uh, I mean, I, I dare say it's not what they wanted. This is not how they wanted it to go. But it is what it is. And so it, it, when kids I, – I don't, I don't – I mean, Ole Miss has gotten some commitments. They're, they're, I think they're close on some commitments. But, you know, 
when you're a kid and you're you're around around a kid, your parents or whatever, I mean, you, you do want to have some in-person stuff involving your kid before you make a decision like that. And right now, Ole Miss can't do it. Those kids haven't seen a Lane Kiffin Ole Miss practice because there hasn't been one. Mm-hmm. Th- those kids haven't been able to go for a, a a Lane Kiffin Ole Miss official visit that they may may have taken this this spring because COVID stopped everything. And they're not going yeah. to get. To, they're not going to get to go to camps in all, in uh, June. That's not happening. And uh, you know the, their their next time at an Ole Miss game, hopefully, is in September. But I mean, I just watched. I was looking at Twitter just then as you and I are recording the show. And Hunter Urichek, the Arkansas AD, who kind of aggressively uh, discussed the, the the Razorbacks' plans to get reconvened and all of that in mid July. He's had to walk those statements back today because. Anytime someone says something positive or optimistic, Zach, it gets absolutely just crucified from the other side of this, and everyone ends up having to walk it back. Or he says, "Hey, I just mentioned that was one potential plan." You know, it's not what he said. He, he said that's that's their plan. That's what they're going to try to do. But of course, everyone, you know, that's it's not politically correct to say, "Hey, here's the plan. We're going to we're going our, our our plan is to get everybody together." No later than mid July, have a we're going to quarantine them, do what we got to do, and then we're going to have a, a spring camp slash fall camp. It's going to be different than what it used to be, but we're going to be ready and we're going to play on time in September. When you say that, you have the people that come back with, "Oh, you're an idiot." There's just no way, and you and you get walked back and walked back and walked back. Uh, I talked to someone today who said, "Hey, look, if if we can't get them on campus between July one and July fifteenth, it just gets hard to start on time." And that's okay. Mm-hmm. It means you start late. From a recruiting standpoint, though, what does that mean? If you start late, it means now it's October before you can bring these kids to your campus. And and well, you just shrink that window. Right. Well, we've talked about it before on the show and how coaches would prefer to not do official visits during the season because you you don't get to spend as much time with these kids on the weekend when you have a game, when you're doing you know a game week practice schedule Game prep on Friday. I don't know what Kiffin's going to do. The, the teams have always spent the night in Tupelo before the game when they're when they're playing home games. I don't know if Kiffin's going to do that, but you know, you're let's say it's a eleven two o'clock kick. You know, something early in the day. You know, you're done anywhere from what three to six in the evening, and then I mean, you got to do all your post game. You know obligations with the media and yeah the zoom, the post game zoom calls got to happen i'm telling <laughs> yeah. me, media is not getting there's not going to there's not that stuff's not happening i'm just telling everybody right now media coverage the way it used to be is going to be a zoom call this year there's there's i'm i'm convinced of that there's no way they're letting in a bunch of fat dudes uh to to do interviews and stuff and stick recorders in kids faces and that is over we're going to do it's going to be nothing but zoom calls this year but I mean, you, you just don't have enough time. I, and then you know, Sunday you're you're flipping the the script to to whoever your next week's opponent is. And so it's just basically in and out. You're you're not getting to spend quality time with the player, with the family, uh, with you know, that's just not ideal for a staff, especially one like Lane Kiffin, who's in their first year. They're trying to make a a big time impact. I mean, they're they're wanting to sign. Not only 
quantity but quality. I mean, they're they're going. I mean, they're offering everybody, and they're going for these big time prospects, these big time four and five stars. And if they're if they're signing early, if they're signing in December, and they're not signing in February, to where you can bring them in those those big recruiting weekends in January, it just puts a ton of pressure on a first year staff. And it, the way that they've acted this early on, Neil, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we're hearing the same thing. They're not going to force the issue. They're not just going to take people just to take people. So I know that they're going to want to do their due diligence and you know, undergoing a late start. Now, unless we've talked about this before as well, if they just move signing day to just February and there's no December signing day, then maybe it helps them out, but it's just, it's hard. Um, especially if it's not, if it's an October start, it's going to be hard because that window gets smaller and you've got everybody fighting for players in that small window. Yeah. I mean, I think as it is, the recruiting window is going to be small and it's going to be uh, crammed in that January period is even an on-time start. I think I think there's going to be fewer kids that sign in December and more that sign in February. If you have a late start where maybe even the December signing period gets tossed, which I haven't heard that yet, but I mean, you know, look, if it's a late start, they're then they're playing games in mid-December. They're going to they're going to kill the early signing period. That stands to reason. Yeah, February is going to be crazy, and you're going to have less mm-hmm. less time to do it. The NCAA is going to have to be more flexible as it pertains to official visits and things like that. And it's people are going to have to get creative. And that's it, frankly, that's where I think a, a guy like Ole Miss would. I mean, a, a school like Ole Miss would would do well because I think Kiffin would would be pretty creative. I think he's hired some people around him who are pretty creative, and they would be be able to maneuver that. But at some point, you know, you have a time window that. It is what it is. Now, all of that could right. change. I mean, who knows? Look, if let's say the season doesn't start until mid-October and, and you know, the season goes into January. If you told me they moved the signing period back from February the 5th to March the 5th, I'd buy it. I mean, there's ways around a lot of this stuff. You can you can one time only change the schedule and, and, and accommodate things. Yeah, absolutely. And you know as well as I do, and I'm sure when you were talking to my wife about this – Y'all might have addressed it in terms of just higher education in general, but not only college football and not only just athletics in general, but I mean, a lot of these schools are, I don't, I wouldn't say they're pushing for things to start on time, but they desperately need some, they need things to start on time. They need things to get back to normal because yeah, these towns, you know, I mean, you look at the SEC, I mean, you've got Oxford and Starkville are immediately jumped to mind. Uh, Fayetteville is not huge. They they need the uh, Auburn need Auburn needs kids Tuscaloosa Auburn. needs kids yeah. uh, you know I mean I mean Columbia Missouri needs kids uh, you know Columbia South Carolina is a state capital but even even Columbia South Carolina if you take away the University of South Carolina the, the dynamics of that school look mm-hmm. different obviously Northwest Arkansas is booming with all the Walmart stuff and there's a lot going on there but if you take away the University of Arkansas it's it's a different look to it obviously. Uh, you know, tennis. I mean, Vanderbilt, Nashville would probably be basically unaffected. Baton Rouge would be very similar. <laughs> very, Baton Rouge would be very similar to uh, Columbia, Missouri. Um, Athens would. Athens needs kids. Um, you know, it's on it. Lexington, Kentucky needs kids. I mean, it, we're, who are we kidding? I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. if if you if you eliminate in person learning and close essentially close the doors to these institutions. The financial loss is is dramatic, 
I mean, if your wife's right, and I suspect she is, the financial loss is going to be dramatic anyway. And then if you take away things like at, at, at these SEC schools, I mean, let's face it, if you take away football for a year or whatnot, I mean, we've already talked about what it would mean for the athletics departments. What would it mean for student enrollment? Wouldn't be a good thing. I mean, this. No, absolutely not. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not not knocking any of these schools, but I mean, outside of the one in Monroe, none of these schools down here are are, are considered, you know, like Harvard or Stanford or something. So, I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, so you know, you yeah. go. They're, they're good schools, but I mean, part of the part of the allure of going to the University of Alabama is to be a, to be there in the fall during football season. Yeah, that's absolutely. Part, that's part of the allure. I mean, when you go to, I mean, look, Arkansas's horrible. They suck. They haven't won a conference game since the Eisenhower administration. But you know, even and my daughter's not a football fan. But one of the cool things about her dorm was it overlooked a football stadium, and she got to go to football games and all of that stuff. That's that's not uncommon. I mean, it's all part of the deal. And so, if you take all that stuff out, the college experience is a completely different thing, and the amount of money that is lost is staggering. Yeah, I mean. It, I, it was probably the same when you were in college. I mean, when I was in college, I mean, everything is essentially, especially in the SEC, centered around what's happening on Saturday. And that's just kind of what you do. You go to the game, you yeah. watch the game, yeah. you leave, and then, yeah, rinse and repeat for, for the next home game. I mean, that's that's such a big part of all of these communities, all of these these. But on campus, when you're, a, yeah, when you're a student, I mean, the, the, the you know, when you're a high school student, the – in the fall, everything is kind of built around the football game on Friday night. And when you're a college student, a lot of the social stuff is built around the football game on Saturday, whether it's a home game or an away game. And away games when you go home, at home games when – you know what I mean? All that stuff. If you take that stuff away, you you fundamentally change the college experience. And when you fundamentally change the college experience, it's less attractive to some of the kids who are going to go. And and so it's, it's why – getting these kids on campus and, and having a college experience is so important to a lot of people. And, and it's, it's why I'm, people ask me a lot, you know, what do you, why are you so optimistic all of a sudden? It's just every, everything I'm hearing points in that direction is not mm-hmm. going to, it's not going to be perfect. Uh, maybe, maybe the big large auditorium classes don't happen in the way that they used, they always have happened. And, and I don't know, maybe, maybe schools have to be flexible. Maybe schools have to be, um, What's the word I'm looking for? I guess flexible is the word. They're going to have to sort of be maneuverable. They're going to have to be malleable. But I, I think mm-hmm. I think most of these places have people on their campuses that are smart enough to do that. And obviously, this is a problem that has been on their radar since February. And so now they, they've had some time to think about it, to plan for it. And I think you'll see schools be more creative. I think it's safe to say that the only school that's not being financially affected by this is Tennessee with how well they're recruiting, right? I can't believe that you would insinuate such a thing. I am. <sighs> oh, well, I just meant they're they're not struggling at all, and school is going to go off without a hitch. And I think that that's why they're recruiting so well, because they're telling all these recruits, yeah. hey, come here, because we're, we're playing. We're going to play. Playing. Maybe it's going to be the orange-white game week after week, but we're playing. <laughs> yeah, run through the tee, oh, come out here. God. And can you imagine what a life, what a, what a – what a fulfilling moment in your life that would be to run through that tee on those big oh. on that checkerboard. Oh wow! And there's Smokey howling and uh, oh. They have the they have the man dressed up like Daniel Boone. Mm, and the just the ships going up and down the river. Oh man! Gosh, the Navy. 
Um, I, I guess serious question here, though. Uh, we're obviously being facetious, but have you you've been to Neyland Stadium, right? Yes. Now I know Vaught Hemingway as an as an Ole Miss alum and, and quote unquote fan here. I, I can't I can't bash too much. The guts of Neyland Stadium are awful. Their concourse is terrible. It, it honestly gives off big time Liberty Bowl vibes to me. It's one of my very least favorite um, stadiums in the in the SEC. In large part, it's, in large part, from a media standpoint, you're about two hundred feet off the ground. It's kind of so, <laughs> you're so high up, it, it just looks like yeah. ants down there. Um, I don't know. It just it doesn't do a lot. I know I shouldn't say I, that, like I shouldn't it. say this out loud. It just that whole thing doesn't do a lot for me. Now I will say. I do like the location of the stadium. I, I, the outside, you know, it, it's fine. It looks cool. It, it's nice. It's right in the middle of campus. Um, and all jokes aside, I think Knoxville is actually a, a nice college town. They, they've actually done a lot of improvements. Um, South Knoxville is kind of booming now. They've got a ton of cool things over there. They've got some 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 breweries. Um, they, they're doing a lot of innovative and, and creative things it's not just you know going down to market square anymore um but yeah i'm with you though i it's never been i grew up in memphis so i always disliked tennessee but yeah the whole orange and the tea it's just a you know thank god they switched to nike because the adidas just made it even worse but um but yeah so but anyway tennessee's doing good for jeremy pruitt because you know the Neil, the thing that sucks for us, you know, from a business standpoint, if he was at Ole Miss, Ole Miss would have the number three class in the country right now, right? That's how it works. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, look, he has. Okay. I mean, he has done a good job. Give him some credit. He's doing a good job yeah. in recruiting. But and a hell you know, of staff. Yeah, it's it's. We'll see. Yeah. Still we'll lost. See. Still lost Georgia State at home last year. Which I just blows my mind. Yeah, they're, I mean they're not there yet, and so everyone does the Tennessee's back. Watch out! Here we go. Let's let's hold your horses. Let's hang on. Feels, this, this, feels like '98, baby. Yeah, it takes a little time. It takes a yeah. little time, but I'll give him credit. He does appear to be recruiting at a really high level right now. And but I've seen people, other people, recruit at a really high level right there, and, and it not work out. Mm-hmm. So there's you know there's another step to that. Before we uh, continue, I want to tell you we're also brought to you by LB's Meat Market. LB's in Oxford, right across the street from uh, Kroger. It's uh, 2008 uh, University Avenue in uh, in Oxford, 662-259-2999. If you want to make that call and you want your stuff packaged up and done, you can pay online and pay on over the phone, get it done. And uh, you can you can have uh, very limited human interaction if you're uh, if you're worried about it. That's, that's understandable. It happens. Uh, or if you want to go in, you can. You can uh, put your mask on. In Oxford, we're wearing masks. People are getting upset about it, but that's right now. Those, them's the rules. And uh, you can wear your mask in there, and you can. Uh, Greg will hook you up. Uh, the, you can try the Denver steak. You can try uh, all of his sausages that they have there. Uh, pork, chicken, uh, fish from the Gulf. Uh, Thursdays is fresh fish Thursday. They have all sorts of sides, meatloafs. Basically, man, everything that you could want is there to make your uh, your evening a, a really cool one. He'll do all the hard work for you. He has this hash brown casserole that all you got to do is just throw it in the oven. 
and uh, cook it. Absolutely fantastic. The meatloaf is the same way. Just throw it in the oven. It's done. It's fantastic. You'll love it. And uh, all of that at LB's. It's, again, that number 662-259-2999. You were saying, Zach, that you sense some uh, momentum in football. You think some things might be close to moving. I know you've talked about Antonio Harmon, the four-star wide receiver. Kind of mm-hmm. what, what else is out there a little bit that might be fairly imminent? Harmon is the one that I think is is bound to happen. Um, I hesitate to say this, but I, I'll do it anyways. What I, I, I don't know if it's a matter of – of if it more when for those for those that don't know i think most people do he's he's been a hot name for the past couple of years um you know his uncle played football on this and a, before this new staff was there jacob peter was very active being from kosciuszko himself um but even even without that i think Derek nix picked up his recruitment uh didn't really skip a beat there nix is 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 well versed in the ins and outs of Mississippi recruiting, as we know that he's been uh, on the Ole Miss staff since the Kennedy administration. Um, I think that that one is going to happen very soon. I don't know a timetable. I haven't been told. I haven't talked to Antonio. Antonio is incredibly shy. He does not say much at all. Um, I think that that one is going to be one that you need to keep an eye on. The other two that I've been hearing a lot about. So, Maurice Freeman is one that, that I've heard a lot of buzz over the past month. He's a defensive back from Virginia. I posted about him in the Chicks last week, I believe. Um, just a two-star on Rivals, but I, I told people, turn on the tape and just watch. Just just give it a minute, and you immediately see why the staff is recruiting him so hard. Um, just an absolute ferocious guy coming from the secondary. I think he's going to play close to the line of scrimmage at the next level. Um, just kind of one of those big body physical safeties that, that you really need that can also cover in space. And then the new one that I've heard, um, and I posted about him today was, um, Tysheem Johnson. He is a, uh, athlete out of Philadelphia. He is, uh, kind of popped up over the last couple days. I started hearing some things about him over the weekend. Um, I was watching some film on him today, Neil, and, and, a, kind of a recent guy that he reminds me of. He reminds me a lot of Cyrus Jones, who was at Alabama. Um, can play corner, can play safety, but uh, just a real weapon in the kicking game. Um, he's about 5'9", 5'10", 180, uh, but just a really, really, really big-time playmaker from from Philly. He goes to Newman Garetti, uh, plays in the Catholic League, so it's, it's, it's good competition. Um, but he is his offer sheet is just absolutely chock full of power five schools. Um, he's been to Penn State a bunch, and uh, he was another one of those guys that was going to unofficially visit Ole Miss uh, at the end of March. But with COVID nineteen popping up, he had to put that on hold. But Chris Partridge is recruiting the Northeast about as hard as anyone, and uh, I think that it's just a matter of time before one of these dominoes falls, just because of the the amount of effort and the how aggressive he is being up there and just he's offering everybody they're they're staying in contact with these kids they're they're staying on them they're they're really trying to build a uh, you know a new brand they're trying to build that quality depth that we talk about uh Tashim Johnson is a guy that I think it would would be a huge domino to fall not only just for that area but just having a really 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 good player commit to your 2021 class 
Um, number nine player in Pennsylvania, number 20 athlete in the country. Um, he would be the guy to, to kind of get things rolling. I know if, you know, people might roll their eyes or kind of scoff at, you know, Antonio Harmon committing because he's a receiver, but um, you got to get elite players. You got to get good players regardless of the position. It's, it's, it's what have you done for me lately in recruiting Neil, as you know, but yeah. you got to sign good players. And one more thing, and this, it won't be popular, but they're not winning a championship next year. This isn't a team that's going to Atlanta. No, they're not. And so it's a, it's, it's a, there's a build and you get the players when you get them. And yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. You gotta be good up front. I know that, but I see people debating the difference between six wins and seven wins or what it looks like in recruiting and all, eh, nothing. It doesn't look like anything in recruiting. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the truth like that or not. If there's a late start to the season, who knows whether they'll even have bowl games. Um, you know, if there's a late start to the season, I'm serious. I mean, if you have a late start to well, the season and you don't finish the season until December, none of the elite kids anywhere are going to play in a, I mean, in a in a bowl game that doesn't mean anything in January. When no, they, I mean, they're just not. They're all going to bowl. Yeah. So the bowl season's not going to mean much anyway, even if we have it. And the difference between playing in the Music City Bowl and playing in the Belt Bowl or what whatever the hell bowl, bowl the league is 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 immaterial. If the difference between six wins and seven wins or what not not in recruiting it doesn't matter. You get players when you can get them. This is a build. It is it is an absolute build. I'm not going to use the word rebuild, but it's a build because the previous staff was was still rebuilding and 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 it's a rebuilding a building process that Lane Kiffin and them have inherited. And uh, there, there, it's a there's a transition within the build. This is not, it's not a championship roster right now. It's just not. And no. so, quit worrying about all of that stuff and just get good players. Get good players right now. If you're a, if you're a professional team, you're drafting best available. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's why when people do this thing, and I say, I'm not I'm I'm trying not to criticize others. But okay, here's what they're going to do. They want to take four of this and three of that. And, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, in an ideal world, but it probably won't work that way. And and you'll you'll get off that quickly. You're not going to yeah. turn down a good a good wide receiver so that you can take a mediocre defensive lineman. You just need to no. take the best players you can get at this point, and then at some point you get to a place where suddenly you can quote draft for need. But you're not mm-hmm. there until you're there. You're not there, and they're not there. Yeah, and look, Neil, and again, this is not – I'm not trying to bash the folks that are you know, saying they want defensive linemen and linebackers because, yeah, you do need those. But for those that get upset when they get a quality receiver, I mean, the two receivers that they have committed are damn good. And there were a lot of really good programs that wanted them. And Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy and Derek Nix have done phenomenal jobs recruiting. But for those that are <laughs> scoffing at another receiver – who on the roster right now is really that good? Oh. Outside of Elijah Moore, that's I, it. That's it. That's it's all that's proven. Proven guys. It's all yeah, that's proven. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe Braylon Sanders. Still, I mean. And if Elijah and if Elijah has a year, he he could go pro. He probably will go pro. Yeah. You got to continue to build. You got to continue to restock everything. It yeah. doesn't matter what you've got. You got to continue to do it if you want to be successful in the SEC. That's why people say, why are they still looking at quarterbacks? Well, because if, if there's one out there that's better than what they've got, you take him. Yeah. 
So we already talked about it. If if things don't go well in the spring or the fall or whatever, Grant Tisdale leaves, Matt Corral transfers, then what you got? Yeah, you just you you keep recruiting. You always keep recruiting better than what you've got. And and when you're in a build, you take for you take best available. And if that means six wide receivers when you probably didn't quote need but four in quote. And again, here's the other thing, and we're getting a little long winded, and so I'll be careful with how I just I don't want to get off on a tangent. But the transfer portal changes the game. And the one-time transfer, the one-time no-penalty transfer is going to pass. It might not pass in time for this year, but it is absolutely going to pass. And when it does, it changes roster building. It changes the way that you create your roster. Because highly ranked kids who come in and don't it doesn't work out right away, they're going to leave. They're going to go someplace else. Mm-hmm. They They just are. It's the, the the landscape is going to change. It's going to change precipitously, and the way that we've always looked at recruiting and and and, and recruit uh, roster management is going to change. It's and it's another reason why I think Ole Miss is in really good hands because Lane Kiffin talks about this all the time. He refers to his roster. He says it's kind of like building an NFL roster. You've got different things. You've got free agency. You've got um, the draft. You've got. He's right. He couldn't. Yeah. He couldn't be more right. So, uh, but it's it's just not. The, the, and the people who try to cover recruiting traditionally, uh, they're going to let you down. I'm just telling you. Um, mm-hmm. It's why you know we, we and you've done a really good job with the big board and names, and we'll keep updating. We're going to keep those content items in the uh, in 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 our admin where where Zach and and sometimes me where we can uh, update them. But the truth is. It, it, it's going to look different than it than it has in the past because it just is, and, and you throw, and that's before you throw COVID into the mix, and that's a complete game changer. Absolutely. So yeah, because it's hard it's hard to get information as is with this new staff and trying to talk to as many people as you and I can, but now with this, I mean, it's you know it's hard. But um, well, and they don't it, know. The truth is, if you could sit down with them and have a here's the truth: if you could sit down with this coaching staff. And say, okay, everybody's talking, um, wide open, no limits. Answer the questions truthfully. What do you have on your roster? We're not sure. Okay. No way of knowing. Really no way to know. And I will say, Neil, as we're wrapping up here, real quick, that was a great point about Kiffin and his ability to build a roster because nobody – before the transfer portal was even really a thing, they were very, very active with that at FAU. They were they were taking guys that were leaving Power Five schools, guys that were you know JUCO, kind of looking for a second chance, kind of a fresh. I mean, they were they were all over dudes like that at FAU. So that's that's a that's a great point. And yeah. For a team that's got to get guys as however they can, uh, that's that's huge. We'll wrap up there. We'll come back again uh, next week, and uh, or as things as need uh, affects it. We'll come back with another edition of the soft verbal podcast. Again, don't forget deadsoxy.com D E A D S O X Y.com socks as low as $6, $9, $11 at dead Soxy. It's their support sale. You can support them and you'll get a great product that you will love. And uh, believe it or not, one day we'll all go back to work and you'll need socks. So uh, you want the best ones and dead Soxy indeed makes the very best ones for Zach Barry. I'm Neil McCready. That does it for this edition of the soft verbal podcast until next time. Take care.